0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Have you ever worked with epoxy before? Have you ever glued stuff, you know, the two-part thing? You buy the hardener and, you know, the resiner and you try to measure it out to what you need and you stir it all up and, you know, it it creates a chemical reaction. In fact, I didn't realize it until we were remodeling a canoe trying to, we had to use a lot of epoxy to, to, to work on it. And it creates a lot of heat, and the more epoxy you have, it's a chemical reaction, and it it generates that heat. We're going to see this morning that Peter tells us, he says, I'm trying to stir up. Your mind. I'm trying to stir up that remembrance that about Jesus coming back and that that should be something that, that is there in our heart and mind. And just like that epoxy, that when you kind of stir it up creates that chemical reaction so it can bond things together. What, what God wants us this morning is to stir up into our mind the reality of Jesus coming back as it meets our reality of life, and He wants it to catalyze our faith and to push us forward. So take your Bible, if you would, and look with me in 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at 10 or 12 verses. I don't remember exactly how many, but but Peter wraps up his teaching for us about Jesus coming back. I hear the heart almost like a mom, you know, I I'm almost like a mom sending their kid off to school that as Peter, you know, first started out, a mom might like, okay, listen to your teacher, learn something, do good in school, right? And Peter's like, hey, you got faith, but make sure you're growing and learning this stuff. And then the mom's like, now don't talk to strangers, you know, be careful. And Peter's like, hey guys, there's some bad teachers out there, don't hang with them, and now he's telling them, hey, Jesus is coming back. Don't forget that. And that's kind of like the mom, like, I'll meet you right back here at this spot at 3 o'clock or 2.30, right? You know, I'll be here. I'm coming for you. Peter is just like a mom is what we've been walking through this whole little letter. And so he's wrapping up his, and he's, he's kind of giving us our, our marching orders and what our life should be about. And he reminds us today that every day we should have a vivid thought that our Lord Jesus is coming back for us to not get distracted in all of the craziness of the day, not get distracted in all of the stuff that pulls us aside, but to live today with an excitement and a joy that our Lord's coming back. So before we talk about that and, and read God's Word, let me pray for us this morning, shall we? Father, I'm grateful to be able to share Your Word today. And Father, I'm grateful for those that, that can be at home and be safe, but log on and join us and, and watch and participate with us. Father, thank You for that technology. Thank You for Your faithfulness and Your grace. And Lord, I confess, it's easy to get distracted just in general life, and it especially is this particular summer. So Lord, may we be uh, challenged, may we be encouraged, may we be blessed today with a reminder that You are coming back for us. Thank You for the Lord Jesus who gave His life for us. It's in His name and for His whole purpose that we come and worship and serve you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, read with me. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this. Peter says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. And both of them I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. They're going to be mocking. But notice this, he says, following their own simple desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For they were, are deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago... And the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged. It was flooded with water and perished. But by the the same... Hold on, i got to turn a page. Wow, those are stubborn. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slowed to fulfill His promise, as some of you count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And we'll finish out with the next few verses about what we should do with all of this. Three things as we think about this morning. Peter says, I want to stir up your memory, your mind, your remembrance. I want you to make sure those coals, the hot, stay hot in your, in your mind that, that our Lord is coming back. And if we're to remember Jesus coming back, there's three things in here that He tells us. And the first thing is that we should not be discouraged when other people kind of down the fact that we believe Jesus is coming back. When they even rise to the level of mockery and scoffing, Peter says, don't be surprised about that. You need to realize that the time's coming, people are going to look around and be like, yeah, seriously? Like you guys have been talking about this for thousands of years and everything is still going on. I get up in the morning, the sun comes up and the sun goes down and it's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. But Peter says, make sure that you're not surprised by that and make sure in essence that you are not discouraged by them. And he tells us that we should consider the source, right? Isn't that what he says? He says in verse 3... He tells us that they're going to be following their own simple desires. He says, consider the mockery. Consider who's saying this. They're going to be pursuing their own simple desires. Look at their life, look at what they're saying, and look the way they're living their life and consider the source. They're they're not followers of Jesus. They're living for something that is on this earth, living for themselves. They're naturally not living for God. And so we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, they will even look at the world around them and say, come on, get real, this world is moving forward, but they're ignorant, not just in their, of their own sin, but they're, they're ignorant of the reality of God's power who made this world to begin with. You see, it's through the very Word of God that God made this world from the beginning. And it's through that power that He formed this creation. You see, they're doubting the power of God and all of this, whenever you hear somebody doubting the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's not just that, 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 that they're, they're doubting God, they're doubting His ability and His power to make good on what He said He was going to do. Now for us as Christians today, I don't think in, in our current culture and climate, I think more of the mockery happens and more of the scoffing happens with the the scientific minds, right? You know, oh, well, I'm a person of science. I can't handle believing in all that faith stuff. Something hit me recently that I had not quite have thought of it this way before, and it may it may help you along the way as well. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? When we look into the skies and we look into the to to all of the galaxies and the stars and are amazed that they scream, they praise the glory and the creation of their Creator. Well, We read Romans 1 and 2. The Bible tells us that that the creation around us testifies to the glory of God, that it testifies to the existence of God. It speaks to the the creation speaks to the Creator. And it's meant to cause within our own hearts a a desire to glorify God, a desire to ask the deeper questions You see, when God made this world, He made this world in such a way not just to bless us, but to bring glory to Himself and so that every one of us, every human being on this planet should step back and say, wow, this is amazing. Where was this? What is this? If you walk into an amazing building, you look around and you're amazed. You're astounded by the builders and the architects. You know, if you walk into just into our capital, the million dollar staircase, and you look at all of that. I presume many of you have done that. Just all of the craftsmanship that's involved. You look back and say, wow, that was amazing what they did. Anytime you see something amazing, you step back and say, look what that person did. Now for us, that, when a person does that, it's going to go one of two ways. You're going to either say, there's got to be a being out there who's responsible for all this who is amazing. Or you're going to say, there is a scientific explanation apart from God that's amazing. You see, we shouldn't be surprised as Christians because we're all looking at the amazing world around us. When others venerate the absence of God to the degree that they're just like, this is, this is they almost worship the science side of it, almost the evolutionary thought process because what they're doing is they're ascribing the glory that really is due to God and they're bowing before it, and they're amazed by it and mesmerized by it, shall we say, but looking at it toward the scientific mind. You see, God means it to blow our, knock our socks off, to blow our mind, to be absolutely amazing, to point to Him. But when, we, when somebody starts out by saying God doesn't exist, it still knocks their socks off. They're still going to fight for that, you know, that reality. And they're still going to stand up and venerate and be amazed and hold dearly based on what they see. So us as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised when people who disregard God completely come back and make a mockery with the, all the explanations. Truth of the matter is, is, they're glorifying something that is worthy of that, but because of the Creator behind it and they just disregard God. So Peter tells us here that, guys, don't be surprised when people are mocking the truths and the things that you believe. In these last days, they're going, to be, they're going to scoff at those things, but, but recognize where it's coming from. Consider the source. Don't be knocked off your faith by that. Don't doubt that. Don't, don't be pushed, if you will, along those ways. Don't fall prey to the, the thinking recognize that this is normal, that's something that was predicted because Jesus has promised to come back and He's going to. second thing He wants us to know, not only should we not be discouraged, but we shouldn't be ignorant. We shouldn't be unaware. We shouldn't be unaware of this world that was created by God and this world that God is saving, reserving for judgment and for condemnation. (laughs) We should recognize reading the, the story of Genesis that Noah sent his flood or God God sent His flood and spared Noah in that time, that this world is being reserved for judgment, that there was a day the world was going just as it ever had, but that judgment came, and that judgment is coming again. Look what he says, Peter says in verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. I like being loved, don't you? In the middle of this, you hear the mom. Look, I love you. When you head off to school, make sure you get this. He says, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Peter's saying this. Guys, you're looking at the world through your own eyes, through your own lenses, through your own perspective. He says, you need to have the perspective of God. For God, He can span back and look like a telescope through a telescope through the world, and he can get really close like a microscope. He can see the vastness, and then he can get really microscopic and look at the intricate little detail. That one day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years can be just like a day before God. What Peter's telling us is to mature, to grow up, to have the thinking and the mindset and the viewpoint that recognizing that God isn't really delaying His return. Even though that it's been 2,000 years since our Lord Jesus came, it's been about 2,000 years since this letter was written, what Peter's telling us, it's only been a couple of days in the perspective of God. That's not a long time. That's not a delay. We're being challenged to think about this world, not from our little microscopic point of view and how we maneuver and look at the world around us, but instead to cast that off, and to look at the world through the eyes of God. You see, that by definition is what Christian maturity is about, isn't it? It's about you and I moving from just looking at the world through our own lenses and instead saying, God, help me to see the world the way you see it. Help me to see people the way you see people. Help me to see my life and myself the way you see me. And that's what Peter's enjoining us to do. He says, guys, don't be ignorant. He says, yes, it seems like a long time to us, but to God, this is nothing. Nothing. And last time I checked, God is the one who's in charge of this world and God is the one who's making these decisions and Peter's telling us to kind of join Him and to to realize that, that God is moving and our Lord is coming back. That we should not take on this mindset of just like, well, whenever it happens and whatever, and just kind of forget about His return. Just like a mom putting their kid on the school bus... As the kid returns home, as their son and daughter comes back, mom hopes that child knows, remembers that she's going to meet her or meet him and to be looking for that return, for that reunion, if you will. And mom wants to hear about how the day went and all of that and all of those things. Our Lord is coming and we should be right on the forefront of our mind, having the mindset that, God is not delaying His coming. There is no delay in the perspective of God. But instead, here is what God is doing. The Lord is not slow in verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. The promise is His coming. His promise to return. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. He's not slow as some count slowness. But instead, He's patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." All should come to that point of repentance. You see, here's the purpose of God's delay, if it seems that way to us. Here's the purpose of, of why Jesus hasn't come back yet. As from God's perspective, He's giving everybody an ample opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved to hear the fact that even though that they've sinned and disobeyed a holy God and have earned this judgment that He's talking to us about, that God is on a rescue mission and sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross, that from God's perspective, He's saying, I'm giving ample opportunity that everybody born into this world might have an opportunity to repent. To turn away from their sins is what that repentance is. As part, that's, this is an example of why we talk about surrendering to Jesus Christ. We, we trust God by faith and we, we receive Jesus Christ by faith, but as a part of that, there's a surrendering, there's a yielding of our soul to His, a turning away from our sin and crying unto Him for help and for salvation. And from God's perspective, He's saying, guys, I'm, I'm waiting to give everybody an opportunity to experience that. I'm glad that God waited for my soul. Aren't you glad that Jesus just didn't come back and say, well, that's good enough? Aren't you glad that God's a patient God? Aren't you glad that God's a patient God not just with your soul, but with your family? Many, if not, maybe all of us have family in this this room, have family that need to trust Jesus as Lord. And from God's perspective, this very morning, He's being patient, He's being merciful, He's being gracious, and He's giving time and opportunity through you and through the others around you, through even His creation, for them to stop and say, wait a minute, this is not an accident, so that they might come to that place of repentance. See, don't let the skepticism of the world around us. Our world is more cynical and skeptical than it has been in a very long time. Don't let that creep into your soul. You see, Jesus not coming back at has nothing to do with God not caring or God's inability. I must confess, you read the book of Revelation, you read the books of Daniel, and, and it seems like, wow, that stuff's really out there. This is almost like I, think I saw a sci-fi movie like that once. Like, really? You know... But don't let any of that skepticism creep into your soul. Instead, our Lord, the whole focus is that He wants people to be saved. That's the desire of His heart. That's why Jesus, when He looked out over Jerusalem, wept. When He saw the multitudes of the people and said, How often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers your chicks to myself to save you and to protect you. I'm willing to do that. There's something as we think about this. It's important for us to reflect upon, and our culture and our world around us. So many struggle with the concept of God because of things that they believe God has done, or the things they believe God has said. You know, from God's perspective, the judgment of our that people will experience in their life is not something that God directly does. It's something that they earn and do of themselves. You see, from God's perspective, from some people's perspective, like, well, I can't believe in a God that would judge people and condemn people and all of that. But from God's perspective, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is a just world. This is a world of, of right and wrong, of truth and justice. And this world is chosen. Every single individual is chosen to go away from me. And instead, from my perspective, I'm doing everything I can to save people and to give people an opportunity. And if they reject that opportunity, that's on them, not me. The Bible says in John 3, you know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... It then goes on, it says, "...for whoever believes in Him is not condemned," in verse 17. "...but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God." 17, 18, and 19 talk about that. That from God's perspective, God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. The world has condemned itself. The world has has chosen to go against God with the consequences and all of that. And God's like, look, I'm trying to save the world. So it's just like the enemy to always put lies into people's mind and project things upon God, to turn their back against God. Have you ever had anybody that, that, that got offended at you about something they thought you said or did when you really didn't say or do it? Now, sometimes you really did kind of say or do it, but you try to duck a little bit. I've done it. You've done that too. But when you really have not done those things, but somebody is sure that you did them and they're mad at you. You see, what Peter's telling us this morning is that, look, guys, the way this world is working is God is trying to save the world. He's on a rescue mission. He's trying; His desire is that everyone would be saved, and he's waiting for that to happen. Now, the reality is... is Just as Jesus said, He's like, I would have gathered you to myself, but you would not. It's on you if you don't experience salvation. I've done all that I can do to save you, and it's on you. So guys, don't be ignorant. What's going on around us today as we live our life, that God is moving in eternity, and He's moving in the hearts of people. It's not because he's he's not delaying because he's tired or he doesn't care or he's watching the sports channel. It's because he's giving everybody an opportunity to be saved. Third thing, this is the last part. I want you to read verse 11 with me. Verse 11 and following. The Bible says this, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, all of the elements around us, what sort of people ought you to be? in lives of holiness and godliness. I love that Peter says, stop and think about this. If everything around us is going to be dissolved, almost as it were, like dipped into a vat of acid, if all of this world is going to burn, if all of it's going to be broken down into its most basic elemental form is what that word dissolved means, torn apart, limb by limb, scene by scene. If we know that's coming, what kind of life should we live? What does that mean for us today? He goes on, he says, living a lives of holiness and godliness. In verse 12, waiting for and hastening, speeding up almost, if that were possible, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But, According to His promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I don't know if you picked up on this, but like four or five times, Peter talks about how the entire world around us is being reserved for the judgment of God and it's all going to burn one day and all will melt and be dissolved. And Peter's calling on that future reality to change our current life today. If that's what's happening in the future, it should have an impact today. I want you to notice a subtle thing that he said. It's very subtle, but he started this whole thing off by saying, stir up your mind. Think about this. And now he's ending up saying, do something about this. You see, the key to our, our, our life and our behavior and our attitudes and everything is to get our thinking right. And when we get our thinking squared away to match God's thinking, then our life begins to be lived out in the way that, that, that most honors God and pleases God. And that's a lot of that is rooting out lies and getting truth settled in where they should be and to, to fixating on those things. And Peter says one of those big rocks that you need to every day have in your mind is that Jesus is coming back. And because of that future reality, It's irrelevant whether that happens in our lifetime or not. Another thousand years, I personally don't think it'll be that long, but I could be wrong. God's not going to let any of us know the answer to that question. But regardless of when it is, it should change our today. That we should not be distracted is what this third thing. If we're going to remember these things, don't be surprised about the scoffers or the mockers. Instead, we should understand some realities of what God is doing around us. And it means that you and I should not be distracted as we live our life today. Peter says, think about what your life ought to be, guys. If this world is going to end, what value should you put on this world around you? What should you be doing differently today? Knowing that all of this one day is going to be gone. All of it. It's a sobering thought, is it not? to think that everything that we're doing is going to one day fall apart. Do you like to do something only to have it ripped apart the next day? Do you like to do something and have it not turned out well and have to rip it up yourself? I mean, that really feels bad. But then you come in and somebody else has messed it up. You get a little bit offended. I get a little ticked off, don't you? Like, I just did this, you know? I just, what? what? I like to do things and be done with them for them to last. And here God is telling us that everything everything that we spend our lives for our 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 work our homes all of that stuff is gone you guys know i've been remodeling working on a room and we've been laying flooring this week it's nice to get to the point where you can like see something you know instead of just fixing something it's sobering and as we lay that wood down thinking yeah this is just firewood it's going to burn one day it's sobering now You know, I'm not saying that you need to go home and sell your wardrobe and just wear burlap bags, you know, and, you know, we need to all become monks. That's not the right answer either. They tried that in the Middle Ages. It really didn't go that well, you know, it's kind of why we don't do it now. But it does mean that you and I should be careful about the value of things that we put on in our life. It means that when things don't go quite the way we want them, we should come to a point of saying, you know what? This ain't heaven on this earth, my heaven is coming later on. perfection's later, not today, and we get over it and we move on. It also means that we need to invest more in things that are eternal, just like we're told from early on that we should invest and prepare for our retirement and early on and um, my parents are telling me that retirement's great, but you know that somehow in the process that it wasn't as big of a deal you know, to get ready for it, as everybody makes it out to be. You know? I'm not saying don't prepare, but just like, you know, I, and I'm kind of getting that picture like, be ready for retirement, be ready for retirement, be ready for retirement, and then you hit it and you're like, oh, is this all that it is? Okay. You know, it's one of those kind of letdown things. But instead, we should recognize that we should be investing in eternity in which we will never experience a letdown and it will be even more than all we're talking about. That's why Peter is saying, guys, as you live your life today, make sure you keep growing. Be careful of the danger strangers, you know, the strangers out there. But live your life with an intensity, with an awareness, with a sobering reality, not distracted by the things that are in this world. And for you and for me, that means putting value on ourselves personally. See, Peter immediately says, if we know all this world's going to turn and burn ultimately and be gone, then how much more should we live holy and godly today? I want to invest in things that last, right? Don't you? That's good money, sound investment. That's good for if you're building something. I don't want to build something today that's going to fall apart literally tomorrow or in a year. That's, That's not worth my time. I want to invest in something that's going to last. And Peter says the number one thing that you need to be investing in, this is going to sound a little selfish, so hang with me, but is your own soul. How should you walk in holiness and godliness before God? Holiness being living separate from the world around you. Living a life that's pure and honorable to a God in heaven because Jesus died to save us from our sins, not just the penalty of our sins in the future, but to save us out of our sins here and now. He says, guys, that should impact you today. See, when you and I struggle with sins in our life, probably a part of that solution is focusing on Jesus' return. See, when we're not focusing on that return, then it doesn't stir us up to live godly so much because we forget that that eternity impact. He says, live holy. And he also says godly. Live with a... That word godly, we usually, we don't have quite the nuances that the Bible has in the original languages for these words, but we usually mean for godly what holiness is, living a godly life. But this word godly means having more of a God-fearing, God-focus, uh, a zealousness, a piousness, a godliness, an upward focus in our life. So live separate from this world and sin and all of the junk, And live your life in such a way that that values and puts the focus on, on Him. That's the way we should be living today. When you and I forget, I don't mean just totally, oh, I forgot Jesus is coming. But when we just don't focus on it, we kind of put it on the shelf and forget about it, then it allows us to creep in and to begin to get distracted in the world around us and to not be so focused on our Lord and on Him. So Peter says, realize that Jesus is coming back. Put your attention there because He's making a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where it lives, where it resides and abides. As I live this life, I get sometimes I get tired of Unrighteousness, wickedness. I get tired of it. I get tired of people's sins. And yes, I'm hypocritical like everybody else. I get tired of other people's sins more than I do my own. I struggle there too. But don't you just get tired of it? And sometimes I get tired of my own temptations and all of that. I get tired of all of that. I get tired of the craziness that I see in people in the world around me. The Bible says part of the way of dealing with it is focusing, knowing that Jesus is coming back where righteousness dwells. The only goodness and righteousness dwells. And we realize that's our home, that's our identity, that's where we're going. Kind of like the mom going off to school, look, don't you forget, you're my kid. I don't care what the other kids are doing, you're gonna live differently because you're my kid, right? We gotta remember where our citizenship is and it affects how we live here. The second area that we need to invest in is what Peter just told us about, not just our soul, but the souls of other people around us. If God's whole focus right now and holding off this eternity, this is the only reason why God's waiting, guys. It's not for you and for me to to live out our life and have our four hundred one k or whatever, our nice little retirement plan and our little, you know, little goals and dreams in this earth. As nice and as wonderful as all those are, and we have them. God's reason for waiting for all this is so that more people might know Him. And if that's what He's doing in the world around us, guess what He wants us to be about? He wants that to be a priority in our life. It's helping other people know Him. To help others experience that repentance and that salvation. To be living in that kind of way. To be sharing and reaching out and intentionally hunting and seeking. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He turn sends us out to seek and to save the lost as well. As we've all struggled in different ways with COVID, and many of you have struggled with with jobs and income, and some of that had health and the distancing. It's been tough not being able to see family and travel plans, and just not be together. And it's still it's still odd, right? I mean this this feels like church, but it only feels like half church to me, right? I just it just I just don't. What's that, Tom? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. But you know what my biggest concern is, is for us, I guess, as a church family, is it's tough to reach out to people of the gospel right now. We're so separated and isolated. And as a pastor, I feel the weight of that that God, you've called us to, regardless of what's going on, is to do that well. And it's hard right now. I feel that. And I don't know what all the answers are, but I know this, guys. We need to be careful that we don't to get distracted, regardless what pandemic is going on, regardless what projects we got going on, regardless what challenges we're facing, medical issues, all kinds of concerns. What God is up to in heaven is making sure that everybody has the opportunity to hear the gospel, both in our towns, our state, and literally around the world. So, remember, I want to challenge us that we keep those priorities into our mind and our heart. I want to challenge us to reach out. When was the last time that we all prayed for somebody who didn't know Christ? When was the last time that we intentionally reached out? When was the last time that we picked up the phone or sent a text to somebody just trying to stay in their life, somebody so that they one day could trust and know Jesus? When was the last time that we viewed our workplace as our mission field, that God has me there to be as a, a light to those individuals that I, work, that I work with and the vendors I come in contact with and all of those things. You see, when we forget that Jesus is coming, not only does it allow us to get distracted and go into sin and put value into things in the world around us that we shouldn't be, but it also means that we get distracted from what's really eternal, and that's the lives of men and women and kids all around us. Guys, that's what it's about. That's what it's about for us as church. That, that's what it really is about, even when we serve. You know, when we walk in the door and our greeters or our ushers are helping or we're cleaning the church or doing all the stuff that we are, we need to make sure we're doing these things for eternity. That we, in our minds, know that we're ministering and serving the people so that people might hear the gospel. That's why we care about doing things on live stream as well to make that possible. So today, I don't know what God is putting in your mind and heart, how you need to respond, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to think about that. But Peter is telling us, as mom, mom said, make sure you keep growing. Be careful of those strangers out there. And make sure you know I'm coming back for you. And because you're going to come home to me, make sure you live your day differently today. Let's keep that in our thoughts today. Pray with me. Father, I thank You for the Lord Jesus. I thank You that He saves us and is coming for us. And I thank You that You've challenged us through Your Word to stir up our mind so that our life would be stirred up and catalyzed to live out a life of faith, not just something that we believe and keep in the quiet, but something that pushes us and pulls us forward for the gospel in our own life, and the gospel in the lives of those around us. Lord, would you help us as a church to reach people of the gospel? I'm grateful. I know, Father, that, that there are many that are sharing the gospel and praying for lost people. Father, would you hear those prayers for the family members and the friends and coworkers? And Lord, for, for those of us that are struggled or maybe we just we've gotten distracted by that, forgive us. And Father, would you help us take those steps to stir up in our minds the obedience that we need to join you in what you're doing to bring saving grace to this world. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.